Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field. Nice break in the weather with that uh, cold snap that we got here, uh, helping us get our wheat top dressed. Not a lot of wheat left out there, but a lot of it's getting finished up, and as well as some spring fertilizer being spread. For us guys in the central to the bottom half of the state, we really welcome the moisture. I realize you guys kind of went underwater up there in the north where the ground was froze, but ours wasn't. And it was sure nice to see the tie line start to run again. So uh, brings us into the spring with a little more comfort uh, compared to where we were just 30 days ago. So uh, I think uh, things are looking up from that perspective. This week's question of the week um, is kind of a doozy. Uh, I know you guys prefer to have a short podcast, short, sweet, get to the point. But there's just no way to do that with this week's question. So I'm warning you ahead of time, go get yourself a cup of coffee, maybe a donut, and sit down and uh, uh, we'll walk through this. But the, the question of the week is about hybrid selection to mitigate risk in the field. As we continue to build our database on hybrid characteristics, we are learning a lot on how to position a hybrid. This data, of course, will be essential as we start to implement multi-hybrid in the future. As we've shown you the past six years uh, with the data that we've collected, that we can mitigate a lot of risk by the right selection or putting the, uh, a selective hybrid in a zone within the field and then managing around it. So it's not only just selecting the hybrid, of course, it's selecting the hybrid for the right spot, and then following through with the other management practices that that hybrid needs. We always say find the hybrid's weakness and farm around it. So when we select that hybrid, then we need to know how do we handle the population? Does it like a fungicide? What do we do with the nitrogen? We need to first start by um, describing what we mean by mitigating risk. Mitigating risk is not about getting the highest yield possible. For the homers out there who are swinging for the fence every year on every field, risk mitigation may not even be in your vocabulary. For the cautious growers out there who like to play it safe, risk mitigation may make you uncomfortable. It is easy at the end of the season to identify who made the right call, depending on the growing season. This year, if we're looking at yield maps in the 136 drought corridor, we see Cautious had a good year. Outside of that area, considering uh, how much rainfall you got or didn't get, Homer had a better year because we had some tremendous yields where the moisture showed up on time. Risk mitigation is about leveling out year-to-year -year risk. While you may not participate in the highest yields, you also won't get caught up in the lowest of the lows. An example, if you chose a defensive hybrid on your light ground and an offensive hybrid for your heavy soils, this would mitigate risk. If it rains timely all year, you should have planted the whole field to the offensive hybrid. If it quits raining the 4th of July, like it did this year in some cases, you should have planted the defensive hybrid on all your acres. Putting a defensive hybrid on your defensive ground 
and putting an offensive hybrid on the offensive ground, you're going to take out the high peaks and valleys in a production year like this year. In the meetings, we, we call that Mr. VRT, the guy who's trying to select his genetics based on what the potential risk out there are. Almost all of you mitigate risk by planting different hybrids across your farm operation. Many will break up hybrids by maturity. So maybe a third is early, a third mid, and a third late season. This mitigates risk of having all your corn pollinating at the same week in 100 degree heat. It allows for timely scouting at pollination, so we don't have to scout at all in the same week. And of course, it allows for a wider harvest window. So we're mitigating risk by breaking our maturity ranges up. You most likely mitigate uh, some for disease risk as well. So in a year like 2015, you don't have all your hybrids susceptible to northern corn leap light and hammering the whole field. By breaking your maturity ranges up, you typically, whether you know it or not, you typically pick up different defensive packages for disease. Now when it comes to field placement, for these hybrids, we lose some of our risk mitigation because we're most likely going to group our maturities in the field to keep our harvest window efficient. You're not going to put a 105 and 115 day hybrid in the field. You're going to probably select your 105s or your 108s and put them together. So at the field level is where your hybrid yearbooks are going to come into play. While we may be choosing hybrids with similar dry down or black layer GDUs, we could choose hybrids with different GDUs at flowering. This would give us some mitigation of risk if we had high temperatures at pollination or heavy cloud cover at pollination. So we could have two 110-day hybrids in the field, but they could have as much as a week difference in their flowering dates. There we'd be mitigating risk. What risk are you trying to mitigate against is how these decisions um, of which hybrids are going to play out and where you would put them. For our customers who are seed dealers, our farmers who are building your hybrid yearbooks, this is where they come into play. First, let's assess the field and see what types of risk come with it, uh, each specific field, and how uniform are those risks. If a field is mainly heavy soil with good water holding supply to poor drainage, the, the risk actually may lie in a wet year. And as we're trying to mitigate risk in a field like this, we're probably choosing a more uh, upright hybrid from a leaf genetics. Um, and we're probably taking advantage of the water supply we have. So we're probably choosing a more determinate hybrid so we can um, push the hybrid. But at the same time, when we're trying to decide between hybrids, if we have some history that one hybrid has these characteristics and it also can handle what we call wet feet, does better in wet soil, then you're going to introduce that one into the mix because that's going to be some mitigation in case we do have a wet year in that particular environment. If the field is mainly all light soil and has drought tendencies to it, it wants to burn up pretty quick, then the main risk in that field is drought stress. And at that point, we may have to mitigate some of that risk when we think about what could happen in a drought situation either at pollination, which is a high risk time, or kernel depth, which is the back end of the season. So to mitigate that risk, of course, we would probably choose pendulum to semi-pendulum 
leaf nature, probably more ear flex, so we can plant at lower populations to manage water. Typically, these are taller hybrids. Well, both hybrids then would be in that format so we could protect ourselves from water. But we then may look at the hybrids and find two that fit that criteria, but one with a different flowering date, GDUs to flowering date. So you're trying to stagger your pollination window. Or we may look at those two hybrids and find one that flexes in kernel number and put it up against one that flexes in depth. So a situation you're again mitigating risk so you don't have two hybrids out there that get all their horsepower from flexing in depth, which remember is the last 30 days of the last 60 days of the fill. And if we're in a serious drought at that point on these soils, both those hybrids are going to get caught in the same window. So you're using those differences to try to mitigate that risk. Common scenario we ran into um, this year in yield maps on our flat ground is when a field has about as much light droughty soil as it has heavy soil. So we have that mixture where we've got both highly productive soils and soils that get squeezed on water. Now the question is what do we do when they're when they're both in the field? Well here we can mitigate risk by choosing a defensive hybrid. Again mainly pendulum, semi-pendulum, tall in structure, probably flex to semi-flex so we can go after the sunlight, lower our populations. And we're going to pair that with an upright genetics. Again, more short-statured probably, upright in its leaf structure, maybe semi-determinate, determinate in ear type, allow us to push those populations. So again, we have mitigated risk of burning up in a dry season because we have some protection with our defensive hybrid on the light ground, and we've mitigated risk of giving up too much yield in a wet season because we have upright uh, hybrids out there. This year in yield map meetings, we found fields where growers selected two hybrids in these fields, but they were very similar. So they had split hybrids or blocks out there, and they were very similar. Planting two very similar hybrids that is similar in leaf structure, ear type, plant height, flowering date is not mitigating risk. And in fields that swing from light soil to heavy soil, you didn't, you didn't mitigate any risk. You got two lookalikes, if you want to call it out there. As I asked growers why they chose those two hybrids or why they were selected, I got answers like, well, my seedsman said they were the same. So we're putting two hybrids that we think are the same together. Or I wanted to keep my maturities the same. So they selected only off of maturities, putting 208s together. Or they, one other one I heard, they both respond to a fungicide. And I want to treat this field with a fungicide. So I put these two in here because they respond to a fungicide. Well, these are good things to know about the hybrid. Um, by putting them together, we didn't mitigate any risk. So we choose hybrids diversity to mitigate risk. We know the hybrid's weaknesses again, and we're going to farm around it. So then the question is, as we choose the hybrids that we're going to use for a reason, we're looking at the strengths of one to cover the weaknesses of the other and vice versa. Then the question comes down, how do we plant it? At this point, we're assuming, of course, that we don't have a multi-hybrid planter yet. So the question is, do we split the planter or do we plant them in blocks? 
Our recommendation is still to plant them in blocks. If you know the left side of the field has more droughty soil, then the right side has heavier soil, then you can put your offensive on the side that has heavy soil and your defensive on the side that has lighter soils. That's kind of a no-brainer. But in a lot of cases, the fields are somewhat diverse, and we have the offensive and defensive soil scattered throughout the field. So planting in blocks, right or left, doesn't make that big a difference at that point. We can put a block of defensive and a block of offensive out there. What about splitting the planter? Let's say 16 and 16 or 24 and 24 coming across there. What about putting the wings of the planter in one variety and the center of the planter in the other? So we would have 8 and 8 or 6 and 6 out there. That question has rolled in a lot in the last two, three weeks. I know where these questions are coming from. It's from our twin row studies that we've been showing at the meetings where we are putting a defensive hybrid in one row, an offensive hybrid in the other. This allows us to mitigate risk, the upright letting more sunlight in for the pendulum or more pendulum hybrid uh, to let it grab more sunlight, the pendulum protecting the upright in dry conditions. I was afraid this would happen when I showed this info uh, remember what I said when I showed this information that don't try this at home. We were trying to mitigate risk in our twin row corn. I am not a big proponent of split planters for a number of reasons where we split the planter to mitigate risk. One, if you don't have the ability to change populations across the planter, you are forced to plant a happy medium with both hybrids especially if you had a determinant and a flex hybrid out there. In split planters, if hybrids don't emerge the same, we got a lot of nightmares. This spring was a great example of that. We had a number of split planter fields that we went to where we had extremely poor emergence with one variety, but not the other. So you're stuck. You either tear out every other 16 rows and replant, which is very risky all the way through the season is how you're going to manage that, or you tear it all out and start over, even the good stand, or you leave it uh, and deal with the bad stand itself. If it was planted in blocks, we take out the block that needs to be replanted. And we uh, can go back in with, with uh, our replant and manage that replant from there forward as a block. In 2015, the big northern corn leaf blight year, some hybrids needed to be sprayed twice, while other hybrids didn't need to be sprayed at all. If it was a split planter, it either all has to get sprayed or it all has to be left. You can't take the strength of that one hybrid of not having northern leaf blight and, and salvage that cost. You have to spray the whole field, especially if you're doing it from an airplane or a custom application. Yes, you might be able to go out there and put fungicide on every other 16 rows if you're doing it yourself. But that's the kind of management that it would take. So if you spray a fungicide on the whole field, it may delay maturity on one of the hybrids due to the stay green effect it could have. At harvest, if one is dry enough to start harvest and the other one is too wet, well, you're either going to have to wait for the wet one to get there and run up against possible standability issues with the dry one, or you're going to have to take it all the same day and pay the drying fee. 
Again, if it was this happened and it was in blocks, you could harvest the dry block, come back and get the wet block. But if you go in there and harvest every other 16 rows, it's usually a, a recipe for disaster as far as the wind situations that can take place when you do that and the amount of down corn you could deal with. As uh, more than one grower has asked in the past few weeks, the same question, what if I set my hybrids up eight and eight across the planter, defensive, offensive? Would there be an edge effect where the outside three rows of each would help mitigate risk? Meaning out of six out of the eight rows would have some effect that we were getting when we showed you the twin row corn where every other row had a different hybrid in it. So could I put a pendulum hybrid and an upright hybrid every eight rows? And we know the, that when we put two hybrids beside each other, there's kind of a carryover effect for about three rows. So what they're asking is, would my upright hybrid let more sunlight in and get that outside row effect on my pendulum hybrid in one or two, three rows into it? And if we turned off hot and dry, would the pendulum hybrid give me some shading effect that would go one, two, three rows into the offensive hybrid? While I can see the thought process uh, behind this, it makes me a little queasy. Uh, as well as uh, guys asking about going every other row or mixing seed in the box, put a defensive and offensive in the box. One grower pointed out, well, we're doing this already with refuge in the bag. We have seed mixed in the box. So why don't we just mitigate risk by putting the two together? Well, this is true. You are planting two different seeds in the box, but we hope the seed companies are using refuges that are in similar in their uh, characteristics between the traded and the non-traded, not exact opposites. And I think that's true. It's not real easy to find a refuge when you go out there in the field. It's not like it's two foot taller or a different leaf structure. What we're asking is what about we mixing total opposites in there to mitigate that risk. Now I love the fact that the conversation has moved to risk management. That means as a group, you guys are moving more towards Mr. VRT and you're moving away from Homer and cautious. So I like the conversation, even though it scares me at this point. But let's not get carried away. Let's stay the course in collecting data and using this data to help us mitigate that risk. The goal being not to plant identical hybrids when we're trying to mitigate risk. We are still going to recommend planting in blocks over the split planter. You guys that are flirting with some of these other methods, please, please walk before you run. Take your time at that. I don't want somebody saying, well, I did this whole farm that way because Ferry said that it's probably a way to mitigate risk. I'm not advocating to, to mix boxes or to go every other row. You can play with that on a small scale. Great place to get rid of your um, extra seed. Uh, if you want to try experimenting with some of this. But even if you do it, you got to know your hybrid characteristics or you're going to shooting from the hip. So keep that in mind. I hope uh, I've cleared up some of that confusion. The spring testing season is off and running. The guys are out sampling uh, where the ground allows. So if you haven't called in your spring or summer testing needs, now would be a good time to get that done before we get too busy. Many of you guys are re-polling your older ISNTs 
or maybe even pulling fields for the first time from an ISNT perspective. Um, we do need to pull the ISNTs preferably in the spring before the soil warms up too much towards summer and in the fall. So spring and fall are kind of our ISNT windows to keep those calibrated where we want. So keep that in mind if you're thinking about ISNTs as well. You will be getting an email uh, link to the grower data form pretty soon, I think this week. Um, when you take the, the time to fill this out for us, I know it'll take a little bit to sit down and, and actually fill that out. That Though that information will give us a better handle on your operation so we can customize your recommendation um, for you. We can be more specific with it. This data, like all your other data, will be kept in-house and only used to better serve you. It's not like data that's going to go anywhere uh, in that process. We are structuring our seed pods for 2018. So if you're willing to help, uh, especially in the area of hand harvesting next winter, please let us know here at the office. Um, and if you're willing and how many people from your operation would be willing to help in any phase of this project. The size of the seed pod or the number of varieties that we'll test will be regulated by the amount of volunteers we think we're going to have for next winter. So again, from that perspective, appreciate it if you'd give us a call. Speaking about seed pods, the boys have the book ready, the yearbook for the seed pods. Um, probably the end of next week or the week after, we will send them off for printing. Um, right now, it's going to be $40 for uh, a seed pod book as far as the printing cost, and we need to do it in one batch if we can. All of you guys that volunteered and helped us with the seed pod, you will receive that book for free. Anybody else who wants that detailed yearbook that we put together, um, I'm going to have to <clears throat> ask you to pay the printing process or that $40 printing fee. So if you just call the office <clears throat> and let uh, Katie, uh, the guys know that, yes, I would like a yearbook, uh, we'll put your name on the list and then we'll add it to the run that we're going to do when we send it in to be printed. Um, there is the, the sheet that has a summary of the seed pod, and we'll make that available on the website as well. So you can go and just get that for free. It won't have the pictures of all the hybrids and ears and stuff like that that the yearbook does, but it will have a general uh, condensed version of it. So if you didn't pick one of those up at the meeting, you can get that uh, off the website as well. But we, uh, like I said, we're going to send in for one printing of it. So if you want one of these books and you weren't one of the volunteers involved, um, and it is your data, so we, uh, you guys are going to have to do with it as you may from that perspective. Um, but let us know so we can get you one printed in that process. For the non-crop tech customers out there that are listening to the podcast, registration for our 2018 Corn Soybean College which will be July 24th and 25th, is now open. So you can come on and register. There, if you just come to our website at croptechinc.com, click on the Corn Bean College um, tag, and you can register uh, for the event itself. So we'll get more detail up there as far as the detailed agenda as time goes on and let you know uh, what the process is. It is a corn soybean college, and this year we will be blending the corn and soybean material in um, throughout the day as it correlates to different topics. So there won't be a corn and a bean day. It'll be more of a blend as we go through to make it more efficient from a time perspective itself. 
So with that, I hope it helps. Sorry it was long. Keep her safe. Keep her moving.